going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Rohan Chakravarti Show here on the channel. And with me, I've got a special guest today. All 49ers S, uh, works for, what is it called again? Sports Illustrated? Grant Cohn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, what is it? All 49ers, um, which, All 49ers is part of the fan, which is Fan okay. Nation. S I, yeah, the, the branding gets me too, but here it is. It's right there. That's what I do. There we go. Anyway, sorry about that. Hey, people merch. But no, we got a, we got a special guest. Grant, how you doing, my man? I'm doing great. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Uh, excited to chop shop. I mean, we we in the off season, but it's the 49ers off season, so really, it looks like a I regular know. season. Maybe even more news than a uh, than a normal regular season too. Yeah, and it happened fast. I think a lot of Niner fans thought they'd be in. I think a lot of the Niners thought they'd be in Super Bowl row right now, and they're still saying stuff like we were the best team, we were the team to beat. It was such. I mean. It was such a weird way to lose. It happened so fast. It feels almost like right. it didn't happen, but it did. It really did. Yeah. And I woke up this morning and I saw a tweet from our guy, Jesse. We're only one week into the offseason. Can you believe that? We've been through be a long one. Tom Brady rumors, Aaron Rodgers rumors, Fig Fangio rumors, Steve Wilkes rumors, Steve Wilkes hiring and all of that. But let's start right there. Steve Wilkes hired as the 49ers defensive coordinator. How do you think about it? I think it's another really good hire. I mean, I, I, if there's one thing I won't question Kyle Shanahan on is his uh, evaluation and hiring of coaches. He's great at it. And I think it might be that he really does empathize with a fellow coach. He sees them as people. With players, sometimes I wonder. When he was going on that list, like, I'm sorry Josh Johnson got a concussion, and I'm sorry that Brock Purdy hurt his arm. It's like, wow, you don't really sound sorry. It kind of sounds like you're talking about players in the Madden game right now. But with coaches, he is has a great feel for who's good, and he's been able to identify, you know, novices in Sala and, and D'Amico Ryans. Steve Wilkes has been around. Steve Wilkes beat Kyle Shanahan when he was a head coach. Uh, well, twice that year, right? Where's where his only two yeah. wins against Kyle? It's twice. Yeah. So yeah. he's a good coach. Um, you put him with this defense on this team, he'll probably be a head coach again in two years. Kyle Shanahan does he does great work with and another African American coach. So many of of these really gifted African American coaches can't even get opportunities, and the 49ers are given opportunities left and right, which is great. So uh, you got to give Kyle credit, and this is a good. I mean, it's it's not Vic Fangio in the sense that Vic Fangio has this whole track record, and everyone's he's like the the he's like the Kyle Shanahan of defense in the sense that everyone's trying to copy him. Mm -hmm. But you know, you'd have to change the whole structure of the defense to accommodate him, and he's kind of salty uh, and negative, like Kyle. I think Steve Wilkes is probably a better compliment to Kyle in the sense that he's like D'Amico and Salo. He's like a rah-rah, leader, um, upbeat, right. positive guy. And his scheme fits right in with what Chris Kaserik wants to do. And Chris Kaserik is a major architect of this defense, even if he's not you know, calling coverages. No, I agree. I think that, that you put it uh, really well. And I know fans are probably not, uh, uh, or they're probably surprised to hear Kyle Shanahan getting praise from Mr. Grant Cohn to start the show. But I mean, you got to call it how you see it, and that's exactly Dude. what it is. Kyle Shanahan has a thing, has a knack for hiring the right. His coaches. dad too. His dad that's too, true. right? Going that back to true. Washington, I this mean, is something they do. They're a coaching factory. Team. They're great, and I think that if there's one thing that Kyle and his dad can be most proud of, it's their coaching tree. Yeah, no, their I, coaching I, I tree. Think yeah. Agree. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, when you talk about Kyle Shanahan, the hardest thing as a head coach was you got to evaluate your staff coming in, coming in in 2017, and Kyle got it. He had Mike McDaniel. I mean, he had the, he had the guys right next to him, uh, Robert Sala. He's got two future head coaches or two current head coaches, another head coach in D'Amico Ryans, and yeah. then Steve Wilkes, who almost assuredly probably gets head coaching opportunities either next offseason or the one after with the expected success that the 49ers should have. So right. to me, it was a good coach. I think he was my number two guy. I, I'm a Vic Fangio guy. I thought Vic Fangio would have been the best hire because of how different his scheme is. Last week, I went in depth about, really, it's not just a 3-4 versus 4-3. It's a lot different than that. There's a 4-3 look that Vic Fangio loves to run, a 6-3, a 6-1 look that Vic Fangio loves to run. And it's not only just the fronts. The coverage is the way that he changes uh, post-snap is really second to none. That's how talented Vic Fangio is. And that's why so many different parts of scheme, uh, when you talk about it, are 
really in other uh, defensive coordinators' playbooks. When you talk about D'Amico Ryans itself, D'Amico Ryans incorporates things that Vic Fangio utilizes as well in terms of the single high coverages and the different looks, the blitzes where you drop the linebacker back into coverage and then blitz off the edge, something like that. And it's a lot of different uh, schematic things that Vic Fangio was good at. But Steve Wilkes, the one thing that he has, real quick, that leadership, you talked about it. The yep. leadership is the most important thing. That's what you got to talk about as defensive coordinator. Steve Wilkes, that's the number one thing that he possesses. It's not the scheme. It's actually just the leadership aspect, which has been vital for the 49ers because what do they do? They create, they just bring in an influx of young talent and then develop the young talent. And that's something that they've done successfully on the defensive end. Yeah, I don't think they want to change their scheme. He, he He's going to run cover four, cover three, a lot of yeah. zone stuff. So... Uh, so one more thing that I that I like that it's intriguing about Wilkes and intriguing about Kyle's last two hires, Anthony Lynn before him, Wilkes right. and Lynn are about ten years older than him, and right. Kyle needs someone to push back on him at some point. Like before the Philly game, when he was installing these plays, and he's like, "Look, I got this beautiful look at this play action play. All right, you're gonna have Debo going orbit motion, and we're gonna have Tyler Croft block Hassan Reddick. There needed to be someone in the room that says Kyle." Kyle, Kyle, it looks wonderful on paper, but no, we can't do this. And maybe Steve is that guy. He's been a head coach. Lynn, you have two former head coaches on this staff. If Kyle respects them at all, they need to be able to say, Kyle, God love you. I respect you, man. But as a defensive coach, I'm, I'm praying you do this. If I were on the other side, I'm praying you do on Reddick. So hopefully Wilkes can be that guy in a way that maybe Ryans and Sala weren't equipped to. I... I'm fantasizing here, fantasizing, but it, it, it could be, and maybe Kyle realizes he needs it, and he's bringing in guys, guys who can challenge him. This is all right. a fantasy. Maybe Kyle doesn't think that way, but he should. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. But the part about the Steve Wilkes news that, in my opinion, might be even the bigger part of the news is Chris Kosarek, who is staying oh, yeah. now in San Francisco, retained as, uh, and he's going to likely be the defensive line coach, might see a job title increase, like an assistant head coach or a pay raise or something, according to... I'm guessing he gets a pay raise, or it already has, that we haven't heard about. I mean, he's like, look, I don't know. want to be your coordinator, but you can give me a raise. Thanks, please. Yeah. 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 But talk to how valuable Chris Kosarek is, and really, would you have picked Kosarek, or would you have picked Steve Will, if you had the chance? Um... I I interviewed Kasarik. I asked him if he has aspirations to be a D coordinator. He's literally said no. So I don't want the guy who doesn't want to be a coordinator to be a coordinator. He doesn't want to watch coverage. He's great at right. what he does. Just keep giving him uh, raises. How much money you do, do you think he makes a year coaching D line? If you had to make, if you had to guess, I don't it's know, but be, I could guess. It's gotta be. It's probably gotta be in, at least in the range of one point five to two as a D line coach. I was gonna guess no. three at this point. It probably wow. was two last year. But now after D'Amico fighting over him, they probably gave him another another rate. I bet you he makes at least 1.5 or 2 just to coach D-line. Just mm -hmm. to coach D-line. So, I mean, he's having, he has a great life. I, yeah. So, so, he gets to stay. Um, it's a big thing with D-line, with, with position coaches in general. Most of them change teams every two years. So, if you could stay in one spot, he's been here six years. If he has kids, I don't know if he has kids. They can stay in the same freaking school district. That's all. Keep the same friends. Coaches want to do that. So good for Kasarik and good for the Niners for making it work. And for those of you guys that want context, the average coordinator salary in the, in the NFL, I believe, is $1 million. So that's a that, coordinator. That, yeah. Coordinator. coordinator. This guy's getting paid like a high-level coordinator most likely. I don't know. I'm guessing. And he's just a D-line coach. He's a position right. coach. And position coaches, you know, they're almost underrated. Coordinators are sexy. Oh, yeah. Like they're the idea men. But you know what? Position coaches are the one that actually make it work because they teach the techniques that are required to execute. They always say you got to execute, right? Well, who's in charge of execution? The position coaches. If yep. you have good ones, you execute. If you don't, you, you, all you have is freaking good ideas. So anyway, that's my little rant. And the 49ers, they have the best defensive line coach and arguably one of the top, if not the best, linebackers coach, Johnny Holland as well. It, oh my God, he's great. Uh, and I think he doesn't get enough credit because... The Niners linebackers is what differentiates that defense. No one has linebackers like the Niners. No one has two, three guys who can stop the run and cover. And the offensive line coach is really good too, Chris Forrester. Yeah. Yeah. Brian Greasy had a phenomenal first year, although he needs to do something with Trey. Brock Purdy was kind of a dream pupil in the sense that he needed no work. Uh, Bobby Turner is a freaking legend. Anthony Lynn's excellent. Uh, yeah. 
The wide receiver coach has a lot to prove. He was new, but he was it was a first year coach. Mm-hmm. Debo had Debo was. I mean, Ayuk had a good year, so you give him credit for that. Hey, um, yeah, yeah. Tight end coach. I got a good year at a at a Kittle for the first time. It's a good. It's a good coaching staff. It's a good coaching staff. Harbaugh had a good one too. Harbaugh had a good one too. Uh, apart from OC, but uh, apart from that, yeah, that's true. Hey, well, at least he had one. Kyle might need one because Kyle. To me, the way he acted after this season was, "Hey, you can't blame me. I'm the I'm, I just draw up plays. I'm just in charge of getting touchdowns. No, dude, you're also the head coach, and you should have been the first person to be like, no, stupid Kyle. Like, I'm not gonna let Hassan Reddick win this game in the first quarter. I'm not gonna let that happen. I'm the head coach. I'm supposed to be cautious. So, Kyle might benefit from hiring an offense. He had one with McDaniel. Yeah, someone letting Anthony Lynn be the. I don't know how he wants to do it, but." Just embracing his role as the guy who takes responsibility for everything. That's the head coach. Coordinators have to do that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And speaking about controversial takes, well, you never start anywhere other than Joe Montana, man. Joe Montana went – I forget where he went on earlier uh, this week, but he talked about who the 49ers should start next year and unequivocally said Jimmy. Jimmy because he wins games. Now, Grant – we know that you're the biggest Jimmy G fan. What do you Love think about him. this? Well, I think it's um, amazing because John John Lynch. Well, Kyle Shannon already said it's not going to happen. He was asked, "Is is yeah. Jimmy coming? Is there any chance?" And he said, "No, the straight up, flat out. So it's not going to happen." And um, I'm, I mean, did did Joe not know that? Anyway, I don't. I get the feeling that Jimmy doesn't exactly want to come back. And I get the feeling that even though I'm not a big Jimmy guy and the league may not be super high on him, I think he's going to get a decent contract to start mm-hmm. for a team. I'm guessing the Raiders. I'm guessing Josh McDaniel. Because the other option for them is to draft like Will Levis or CJ Stroud, who, you know, good luck. It's not exactly, it's not as, to me, it's not as, uh, he's not exactly Bryce Young. I don't know. So they could do that. Yeah. Or you could bring in a guy that you know in Jimmy Garoppolo. I think they're going to go that route, and I think he'll be happy to reunite with a New with a New England guy and probably get you know ten, eleven, twelve, I don't know, whatever million a year. And so um, it's not really an option for the 49ers. Uh, so I don't know. Like, thanks, Joe. I just feel like Joe doesn't really help. Steve always calls the Niners we, and he's always he always he thinks of himself as a 49er. But the Niners mm-hmm. traded. Uh, Joe, and it was before your time. I mean, it was before I really yeah. remember, but it was not very graceful the way they pushed him out. There's a lot of bad blood still. I don't think Joe really cares for George Seifert, and so, so a lot of like this Jimmy. is bad. A lot of this is bad blood. Like I think Joe's always the first guy to be. Hey, the Niners don't know what they're doing. The Niners just made a mistake. They should have. They did X. They should have done Y. Whereas Steve is always very much like, I love Kyle, I love this team, I love what they're doing, here's what I think they're thinking, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I mean, when you talk about the the Montana comments, first of all, they were relevant because of how Jimmy Garoppolo is not returning. You're right, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo wants to return. I honestly don't think he wanted to return last year. He just didn't have an option because by the time he got healthy after his surgery thing, there was no team that wanted him to start at that salary. And so he signs back and he ends up becoming a starter anyway with the Niners. But next year, I, I do think that he's he's definitely getting more money than the Niners can afford at the position. But also, I think he goes somewhere somewhere else for sure. If they wanted him to return, they could have given him an extension during the season. They could have said, you you know what, whatever we thought, we were wrong. And you came back and you proved yourself. And we love you. And even though you got hurt, it's our fault. You know, we, we could have helped you out with better protection. Let's give you this extension. And that way, maybe he would have been compelled to come back this season because he would have had some guarantees in the future. Hey, you know, if I get hurt again in this NFC Championship game, I don't have to go into free agency injured. Uh, I'm not going to be a free agent. I got guaranteed money in the next two, three years. I'm good. But that's not what happened. You know, you were like, so he's going to hit free agency. and um, He ain't coming back. That's that's for sure. He's not coming coming back. back. He's going to go get more money. The Niners yeah. don't want to spend money on their quarterback position when they feel like they have Brock Purdy who can do everything Jimmy can do for a million dollars a year. Yeah. I, I'll say this. If he goes to Oakland, oh, uh, sorry, Las Vegas, I'd draft C.J. Stroud Jimmy. anyway at seven. I, I'd, I'd take both. I think C.J. Stroud would benefit from sitting a year and learning behind Garoppolo. 
Sounds good to me. Yeah. The only thing with, um, yeah, it's fine by me. I, I haven't looked super closely at the quarterbacks who were projected to go after round one this year. I don't know mm. if there's any value pick there. But, yeah, C.J. Stroud of the yeah. ones who aren't. Bryce Young seems the most intriguing. Really good athlete. Great results. 830 passes. It's it's not it's not bad. It's not bad. But it's just Ohio, it's the Ohio State factor, man. It, there's man, never I, I been a good quarterback. Film. I watched his film. Isn't, I'll just say he's my he ain't number my number two right now. I'll just say who's that. your number two? Richardson. Will Levis? Anthony Richardson's gonna be number. Richardson. He's polarizing. I mean, he's my number two. If you put him on Philly, I feel like he'd succeed. If you like, mm. put the right yeah. structure around him, but again, he's a little bit like Trey Lance, man. Like how many throws? Three fifty. Yeah. Well, he, but I guess many. a guy who doesn't have reps throwing can succeed, but you gotta run a lot at first. Because you're, yeah, I mean, you're green. True. You're green as a thrower. So you got to augment that early on. And this guy, this guy, Anthony Richardson, what a freaking athlete. Mm-hmm. He's a lot of fun to watch. So yeah, I've, he, he'd be fun. He'd rather get him in round two than round one, but that's just the nature of drafting quarterbacks. You got to reach. You have to. I, to an yeah, extent. Yeah, I know. I yeah. know. To yeah. be honest, I would not be surprised yeah. if Seattle took him at five. That's just my take. I think they could sign <sighs> Gino to your deal and take him at five. Seven would, two years. Did you see that list I put out on Twitter of all the quarterbacks taking the last no, 10 years in round one with fewer than nine? It's just a mistake. It's just a mistake. It's a, it's a reach. And I feel like is what you like, want to do with uh, quarterback is not reach. Experience, that type of thing? Yeah. It's got first round picks, last 10 years, quarterbacks who had fewer than 900 throws in college. Like the best one was Kyler. Oh, and it's okay. like, they just, every time it's like, well, they're green, but they can they can develop. Man, so not a developmental league. If he sucks the first two years, the quarterback, the coach is getting fired, or the coordinator's right. getting fired. Then you get a new system in and new players. It's like the NFL is terrible at developing quarterbacks. That's on them. And hey, these first round true. picks, there's so much pressure, dude. Like, look at Darnold, another one. Look at every single quarterback other than Trevor Lawrence from 2021 20, in the mm-hmm. first round. A bunch of guys yeah. who really weren't proven coming into the league and had a bunch of great expectations thrust upon them because teams were freaking desperate for quarterbacks. Yeah, you know? and I mean, you got a spotlight right on, right as you enter the league, so that that's definitely true. But we talk. If you're about desperate for anything, if you're desperate for a, a woman, you might start looking around and seeing things that you don't see. That that lady is, she's a ten, dude. No, no, no. You oh, just man. haven't been with a woman in six months. No, man. I'm telling you, it's the prettiest girl I've ever seen. First of all, you haven't seen her face. She's 30 feet away, you got a glimpse of her. No, nah, man, I've seen enough. That's what a lot of these teams are like. I have seen enough. Like, no, you've seen nothing. You've seen nothing. Oh, He's a half a mile that. away. Chill. You got beer goggles on, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> Sorry. They definitely do. They but, do. hey, talking about that quarterback situation, you talked about Troy Lance, obviously the uncertainty. We got to talk about it for 2023 because right now the 49ers have zero healthy quarterbacks. They have one that will be available at OTAs, what do you make of the entire quarterback situation? It went from being a good problem to have to a bad problem to have. Uh, When the season was rolling, you're thinking, well, they got Brock Purdy, this is his job, and eventually Trey Lance can get a shot if Brock gets hurt. Well, the injury happened faster than we thought, and it's more serious than we, I mean, it's, it is serious. We don't know how serious, but this could affect his career. This could affect Mm -hmm. next season. We don't know what his arm is going to look like when he comes back. We don't know how he's going to play. We don't know when exactly he's coming back. So all of a sudden, it's like you got two quarterbacks coming off injuries. Two. And they're both essentially rookies in the sense that one has four starts and one has eight. Now, one's been in big games, and they're both young, and they both have talent. But right now, you went from saying, hey, maybe the Niners have two franchise quarterbacks to maybe they have none. Maybe neither one is the guy. Maybe D'Amico Ryan's going to Houston is in a better situation long-term if because— he could get Bryce Young, and that guy could be the truth. And, and Kyle's over here with a great team that is quarterbackless. It's a quarterback-driven league. I don't know. I mean, we all we all wanted to know: Is Brock good enough to win a Super Bowl? Well, we don't know now. We don't know. We'll have to wait another right. year. And is Trey good enough? He has he has the talent profile, but is he even a good quarterback? We don't know. They never let him play. So, I mean, honestly, this season could get weird. They don't have the Jimmy Garoppolo safety net where if things get crazy they can just throw him in and be respectable respectable and say we won 10 11 12 games that they could legitimately have a bad year things could get weird quarterbacks could get hurt or just disappoint and they could go 5 and 12 or whatever it is so Kyle is sort of walking a tightrope without a safety net for the first time in a while and I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to go somewhere 
man, it's going to be so funny to see both of those people wish the other one to fail next year. Like, where you at, Jimmy? Where you at, Kyle? What are you doing? What are you doing without me? What are you doing without me? It's going to be kind of like Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, except two guys, like the bizarro version of that. You know, two guys who never mm-hmm. won anything with each other. Now, hoping they each other fail. I don't know. We'll see. Because right now, here's how I view it. Trey Lance goes into the offseason as quarterback one, specifically because he's the only quarterback that is going to be able to throw a football come uh, come OTAs. But we don't know where the where the front office kind of or, or the coaching staff kind of thinks on the quarterback situation. Seems like they could prefer Purdy. But right now, I think Lance is going to get the opportunity to show if he's the guy. He's going to get a couple of months to work with the number one team for the second consecutive year. And come training camp... One quote that I thought from Kyle Shanahan was interesting was he thought that the quarterback situation in a way would be figured out by training camp, meaning if Lance can show that he's the guy, they'll probably roll with him with the ones and roll with Purdy as uh, the competition, but him at the twos. But if Lance doesn't show enough in that in that in that situation and you're going to be there, you're going to see enough. They're going to roll with Purdy likely. The only thing is the issue with that plan, it's contingent on Purdy's health, which nobody at the moment has any clue really like. Six month di- uh, six month timeline. There could be a setback. There could be a whole lot of things. And the number one thing, there could be lingering soreness with his arm come training camp time. I think when people think about this question, they think a lot of like, what does Kyle want to do at the quarterback position? I don't look at it that way. Again, I think of him as the offensive coordinator in charge. Kyle, Kyle the coordinator, not Shanahan the coach. And to me, the people that make this decision are the leaders in the locker room. You know, Kyle, the coordinator, drafted Trey Lance. The leaders of the locker room said, absolutely not. Jimmy's our friend. Who is this guy? Blah, 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 blah. And it didn't work. And Kyle capitulated. He backed down, which I think was a bad call. I think it set a bad precedent for who, you know, is in charge on this team. So what did my – look, some people, some fans don't like Mike Silver. Um, If Mike Silver – no, it wasn't even Mike Silver. Forget Mike Silver. Matt Mayoko. It was Matt Mayoko. Matt Mayoko said he spoke to a player off the record. He said there would be a lot of players in this team would be pissed if Brock isn't the starter next year if he's healthy. Well, that's the way it is. And Kyle's not overruling him. That's just the way it is. So it's Brock's going to be QB1 if he's healthy. But, dude, I don't know about it. They keep saying, oh, he'll be fine. Early indications are he's not going to need the Tommy John. He'll just need the – he'll be fine. Six months. But he is getting a second opinion. Which is totally his right. It's like, uh, are, uh, is there a disagreement going on behind closed doors? What exactly? Wasn't he supposed to make his mind up yesterday? I thought Matt Barrow said he was about to make up his mind. I'd like to know what the story is there and when he's actually going to have a procedure. It's been almost two right. weeks. Right. No and procedure. That, that, that's a very Time is of the essence, right? <laughs> no, that's literally a very good question because like the six-month timeline only starts when that procedure happens. Right! We've heard from Lynch the six months. We've heard, oh, source says this could the six months, six months, six months. Well, six months from today is August seventh. That's like August two 7th. weeks into training no, camp. No, no, no. That is literally the last five days. You have five. That's days the last five. Camp. Training camp starts in July. Yeah. So even the most optimistic uh, projection has Brock Purdy missing the first two weeks of training camp, which is. What's, what's training camp like? Four weeks? It's five three, weeks. Three-ish weeks. It's three yeah. weeks, and then pre- and then preseason starts. Yeah. So he he'll probably miss training camp, which means he won't be ready for for preseason. They're not just gonna throw him into games. Ah! And then when he does get back, if they fast forward him like this, what's his arm gonna be? Well, they'll find out. They'll find out. And if it's not up to, I mean, all of a sudden, what what if they can't throw outside the numbers mm-hmm. this year or ever again with Brock? What is he? I'm telling you, man, they should just shut him down, give him the reconstruction, because if he comes back with a slightly stronger arm, that could be your franchise quarterback. Yeah. That could be your guy. But if he comes back with a weaker arm, he might be nothing. Nothing! <laughs> he might be your backup long term. This is, I don't know. But again, I, Kyle is, is Kyle on the hot seat? Is he going to make a lot of short-term decisions because he has to make the playoffs next year? I don't know. And we'll talk to about that in a minute, but I do want to ask, do you think it's Kyle or do you think it's Brock? Because Brock said at the end of the season, his number one goal, I want to play in 2023 come week one. Do you think Brock yeah. feeling the pressure because of obviously the starting job? Do you think he's feeling it or do you think Kyle's feeling the pressure a little bit of both? I, it's hard to take either one at face value when they talk on this subject publicly because right. what Brock wants to project is, you know, I'm a team guy. If I – 
I'm not making a business decision. You know what I mean? I, I'm so tough. Nothing could keep me off the field. Like, that's what you have to project as a football player, right? I'm a savage, and I play for the love of the game, not for the money. And I don't even think of the business side. Like, that's the stupid stu- like stuff you have to pretend. So that's what he's, he's just playing the game at this point, I would imagine. Um, but the fact that he's gotten a second opinion and a third opinion means that some people in his camp, his agent, his parents, him, are savvy and know what they're doing. I mean, he's a quarterback in the NFL. I'm sure he has good representation. I'm sure he has good people yeah. advising him. And we've talked about it, right? How the timeline might be literally at the end of training camp, which might push him to not even being ready for the start of the season. But which means you have you, you need you yeah. need Trey Lance to be great, and you need to, uh, how many backup quarterbacks for just to get through practices in mm-hmm. OTAs, mini camp, and training camp? Like you You're need right. three new quarterbacks to come in here. You're right because they normally yeah. do carry they they carry at least three. Which means you're yeah. going to need at least two, and then the practice squad quarterback, if they they're likely going to carry three, because Purdy's going to be on the roster if he's healthy week one. He's going to be on the roster, be it as the backup. They're going to sign the guy who's going to be on the roster, and Lance, and then the practice squad. So that's going to be the Jacob fourth. Eason. Yeah, that'll be four. Jacob Eason, Jacob Eason, uh, Kurt Bankert. Shout out Kurt Bankert. Uh, who else? Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson. Yeah. No man, honestly, we got to talk about this. Like, if if Sean McVay could get. Baker Mayfield up to speed to win a game in two days. There's no ex- excuse for having Josh Johnson on your roster simply because he knows your system. Who cares? Baker Mayfield didn't know a damn thing and won a game. Like You need a guy who can win a game if he has to play. And that was never the deal with Josh Johnson. He was essentially like a coach on the practice field, which is nice. But you got coaches. Greasy was doing a good job. There was no one physically better who had maybe played in a playoff game that, that Kyle could find. He had months to get the guy up to speed. Not, not. We had weeks. He had weeks. All multiple weeks. I don't know. That's another rant of mine for Kyle. Like, come on, dude. Extend yourself yeah. a little bit here. Sean McVay did. But we talk about it, right? The quarterback situation. We talk about the timeline. Despite all of this, we've seen the pushback against Trey Lance. People be yeah. be at locker room. People are furious, or people would would be mad if it's not Purdy. We've heard, obviously, the fans not necessarily show uh, the happiness towards Trey Lance. What's the issue? Why is there such a divide, despite Trey Lance right now projecting to be the day one guy? They the way the organization set it, set up Lance, he was the guy that was coming in to kick out their friend Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is their friend. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He, he, they were bad, and he came from New England, and he was cool, and they started winning, and he was down to earth, and they loved him. And then, it, you know what I mean? It's like it was some, it was a little clicky. You brought in this guy, this outsider that no one knew, and he was going to kick out your friend. And, and like, what has he accomplished? So there's all of that, and I think there's also just the fact that Kyle Shanahan was sort of like telling two messages. He told the team, guys, you won the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. Both got held. We're the best team. Let's party anyway. Lil Wayne's waiting for us. You know, all that stuff. He still says they were the best team that year. So if that's true, then the logical leap is there's no need to change anything. Why would we move? Why would we change our quarterback? He was good right. enough. We were the team. And then a year later, you don't just change a quarterback, but you, you trade three years worth of first-round picks. Like, So all of a sudden, that validates my side. You know, the, the, the team's saying we're great. I'm like, no, you guys aren't good enough. You have to hold this L, own it. And learn from it. And they don't. They never wanted to. And by bringing in Trey Lance, it acknowledged like, hey, I guess we got to hold our L, learn from it, and be different. And they didn't ever want to do it. So when he got hurt this year, what did Kyle Juszczyk say? Oh, it felt like a return to 49er football. There's a specific type of football they want to play. It looks like what they did in the NFC, in the Super Bowl. They, they, why is there a revenge tour? To prove that they were good enough. To prove that they were the best as is. That's what their whole mission statement is. And if they never win a Super Bowl, they're going to be like the most out of touch, in denial group of, you know, former athletes ever saying we should have won this. People are not going to care, dude. People think they're going to win. They give Kyle the benefit of the doubt thinking it's next year it's going to come. Next year it's going to If they miss their window entirely, they're just going to go down as like the Houston Rockets of the NFL. And you know what I mean by that? Yeah. The Mike no, D'Antoni Houston Rockets. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely do. And I mean, when you talk about it, it's interesting, right? Because obviously, 
you, you, you mentioned Kyle Juszczyk. Another guy who's been a big proponent of Jimmy Garoppolo, not necessarily pointing fingers or anything, is George Kittle. And yeah. funny enough, you talked about 2017. 2017 was the year that Kyle Shanahan came, but it was also the year he drafted George Kittle and brought in Kyle Juszczyk to be one of the figureheads, one of the guys to, to make the transition. He was brought in as one of the higher-paid guys. They were in the same pledge class. Yeah. Yes, same pledge class. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And then you bring in Jimmy Garoppolo, and they see this change of play, right, from Brian Hoyer, from those guys in 2017 – to Jimmy Garoppolo, and let's let's be honest, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play that good in 2017. He had seven touchdowns and five interceptions, but they won games. They won five games in a row. And, and Kyle couldn't win without him. That's Kyle true. couldn't win without him. And I think certain veterans on this team that take a little bit too much liberty feel like, you know, who is Kyle? Why does he? Why does he think? Who? It's Jimmy, and it's us. You know, let's let's show Kyle. And now Kyle could kind of show, like, hey, see, you see this? We we can do it, Brock. But then they come back to, yeah, but you can't keep any quarterback healthy. So who's right here? But anyway, I think there was yeah. a little bit of that going on. I think there was Jimmy and some of the vets being like, hey, Kyle, you're not as great as you think you are. You haven't proven you can win without him. And then Kyle wanted to prove that. And then Jimmy smiling his ass off on the sideline during this game. That was funny. Bad look. Although I'm sure it was someone was just telling him a joke and he happened to be laughing about it. It was literally probably a conversation, but it's Jimmy Garoppolo and everyone, you know, wants to do what they want to do to Jimmy Garoppolo. Also, he knows he's on the sideline. He knows the the, 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 the camera cameras are on him. him. I mean, he already got – his agent was like, dude, don't – or do it. Maybe the agent was like, hey, man, don't hold back. Who knows? Who knows? But these guys, he, he's so media trained. I mean, some of these players are yeah. so media trained. Like yeah. these aren't things they, they were like, oh, I didn't think about that. Like, no, you know. You know the camera's on you, Jimmy Garoppolo. You're not, you're not, I'm not going to say some, but you know what I mean. You're not like freaking, I'm not going to say a player who's not important, but you're not a player who's not important. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Yeah, but you talk about the team being out of touch. Jimmy Garoppolo, the entire saga about it. It was interesting because last week, um, first of all, shout out to Brad Graham of the SF Niners. Hosted an amazing interview uh, with Brandon Ayuk. Got to give a shout out there. But Brandon yeah. Ayuk gave some comments on... Uh, the Eagles, he even tweeted about it. You even forced him to come out of Twitter retirement on it. Yeah. He said uh, how he didn't think that the Eagles were that good. He thought that they were the best team. And he also yeah. believes the Chiefs are going to blow uh, the top off the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Yeah. That, see, see I almost feel like Brad. So, look, Brad did a great job. All credit to Brad. Um, here's where Brad needed to be like Brandon. Whoa, can we just talk about what you said right there? Not just to argue with Brandon, but you got to understand that what he said was outrageous and controversial. And as soon as it got picked up by anyone, anyone, it was going to go viral. So, Brad, what you what you could what what he could have done here was say, "Look, man, what, <laughs> I got to push back a little bit." Like, you know, you're on the couch, you lost. You, it's, can you really say you were the best team hands down? I mean, there's got to be a respectful way to say it. But now Brandon Ayuk is in hot water because yeah. what he said really doesn't hold, doesn't ring true. I mean, this is why you played the games. This is what you. This is what these games are for. This is what postseason's about. There's no coaches poll at the end of the season to determine who the real winner was. It just makes you sound like a sore loser. If you can't, again, if you can't own your mistakes, not mistakes, if you can't hold your losses, hold that L and learn from it, then you're doomed to repeat the same stuff. And frankly, despite the great season and the great story, the Niners made it no further than last year. Right. So I'm guessing Brandon Ayuk, you know, like probably Brad hit up Brandon directly and was like, man, you want to come on my show? And Brandon was like, yeah, out of the goodness of his heart. But there was probably didn't like go through the PR staff and the PR staff mm -hmm. was like, hey man, if he says this, don't say this or don't say this or make sure you don't like totally belittle the Eagles or like be respectful. You know, I'm sure it was very, you know, off the cuff, 
not planned. Which is what you want, but it's yeah. what you want. It's what how I did it with Jimmy Ward. But the difference is Jimmy Ward is thirty two. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jimmy Ward, although he's not like, you know, super media guy with a bunch of handlers telling him what to say, like, he's he's a He's been through. He's my age. He's my age. He knows what he's doing. He knows what to say. He knows where the line is and how to cross it just a little bit, mm-hmm. just, just just for a little bit for fun. Like Brandon, Brandon, God love you, man. You you just sprinted past that line and kept going like a freaking fade route. And Br- Brad was like, just like, yeah, man, I'm gonna air it out. Like, whoa, 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 like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's bring you back. Let's bring you back. Cause I I don't think Kyle wants him talking like that. Although I'm sure Kyle talks. I'm guessing Kyle talks like that privately. Privately, which is also a problem. You shouldn't talk like that privately. You should own your mistakes and learn from them. But, dude, Brandon, God, lo- I, and you know I like Brandon. I mean, he was so yeah. cool about it afterward on Twitter. He's a really cool guy. But um, it just reminds me that these players are hella young, man. You, you, I mean, you can't say that because they're older than you. But from my perspective, man, you, you just out of college, like these are all learning experiences. But in the future, Brandon, don't totally trash a team that just beats you by 24 and is in the Super Bowl. And Brad, like, I mean, you got to push back a little bit. Like, don't let Brandon get himself in trouble like that. That's all I'm saying. But, hey, shout out to you for getting him. Nothing but respect for, for, for uh, Brad Graham. Yeah. And I mean, you know what I'm Brandon, saying, though, right? Yeah. No, I do. And, yeah. Brent, I mean, like, if you guys are questioning it, Brandon Ayuk himself admitted it today. He said, I'm clearly talking shit. And then he said, yes, I'm salty on Twitter today. Uh, when talking specifically about those comments. And, I mean, that's – I mean, Brennan Ayuk himself admitted he, he probably knows what he was saying. It, and I know it's one portion of the interview in uh, of an hour-long interview, and it's one portion of it. And I think he was trying to portray that the 49ers themselves believed that they had the strongest team going into it, which is totally fine. You're supposed to go into the playoffs. Of course going, yeah, yeah, of course you're supposed to go into the playoffs thinking you're the team that they got to – like they got to beat. And so that's the good mindset just portrayed a little differently, which was the unfortunate part. I like Brandon, though. I'm not over here being like, Brandon, Brandon. But I, I do think this is this is Kyle's culture. This is Kyle's culture. Uh, you know, if you never really acknowledge that you lost a game, there's always a reason, there's an excuse, there's a, there's a bad, there's a misfortune. They say that there's a mis- it was unfortunate. If there's always some unfortunate event, then there's never any accountability and... It trickles down from one player to the next. And then you talk like this, and you got third-year wide receiver going on just – I mean, I'm sure the Niners had no idea he was doing that interview. All of a sudden, like, oh, my God, Brandon, we could have talked about that. <laughs> Brandon, well, you, said the, you said the quiet part out loud. Don't do that. No, no. <laughs> and it's like, dude, the league is going to hold this against the Niners for a long like, – you can't talk like this about team. I mean, the Eagles right. aren't going to forget it. They're going to play him next year. You heard how Brandon Graham came out before the game and talking to George Kittle. Like, they had every reason to feel disrespected, the Eagles. And that was before Brandon Ayuk said what he said. I mean, the Niners really made it very clear that they didn't really respect the Eagles coming into that game. Do you remember in the lead-up to the game, Eric Branch kept asking the same question to everyone. Which one? He was like, you know, you guys are a really physical team. Yes. When, when you look at the Eagles, do you feel like they're sort of like the one team that can kind of match your physicality? He asked that like 10 times. And every single time, he, a player or coach was asked that question, long pause. I mean, I mean, that's what the game's for. We'll find out. You know, they're a really good team on paper. They got a lot of talent on paper. They kept saying stuff like that. It was like, whoa, man, can't you just... Even if you don't believe it, can't you just lie and say, yeah, they're great. Absolutely. They're a super physical team. They fly around. They're well coached. End of story. Yada, yada, yada. Blah, 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 blah. Like, you're supposed to build them up so you can, so that way when you beat them, you're like, wow, we just beat the best team ever. That's how you do it. You build them up. And then you make them think they're great. And then you beat them and you're like, man, we just accomplished the greatest feat of all time. That's what Bill Belichick does. But the Niners are over here being like, yeah, uh, I don't know about the Eagles. We're going to have to, like, I don't know, man. That was such a. That was a mistake. That, to me, that was a mistake. I don't know. And I think it's fair, right? Obviously, we yeah. don't know how this game was going to go if Brock Purdy no. remained healthy. We have no clue. And it could have been It could have been either way. I mean, I, I don't know what you picked. I picked the Eagles to win uh, by 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 a small margin. I, I thought that they were the better team. I did pick the Eagles to win. 2016. I, I said 2016 Philly. I said 2016. Yeah, I said 2020. What did I say? 27-24. So I thought it was going to be a toss-up. But 
unfortunately, that's in the past. But you're talking about Kyle Shanahan, and you're talking about this culture that he's created. A lot of people talk about the like how strong Kyle Shanahan's culture has been, but that's also one of the portions of it. We got to talk though about his window as a 49ers. They believe in themselves. They're confident, but they're like almost. I mean, they're overconfident. To the point where you can't talk and act this way without hardware to back it up. Right. You just can't. The Grizzlies do stuff like that. The Rockets do. The Dodgers. Well, the Dodgers did win. But you know what I'm saying, right? You At some point, you got to have the ring to, to back it up. And do you think they get it? Well, frankly, I don't as long as Kyle's here. And that's why I feel like it's his culture. It's, 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 his, it's his demons in the, in the playoffs, in the big games. So what I would do is what Al Davis did with John Gruden 20 years ago, trade him for a couple ones, couple twos, and uh, be ruthless. I mean, that's what Philly does. They go through co- coaches every few years, but they're a machine, and look at them now. So I think what makes the Niners, to me, what makes the Niners special is their roster. And Kyle does get a lot of credit for putting it together, but has he maximized the roster? At times. At times he has. In the 12-game winning streak, yes, but not for an entire season, and he can't keep a quarterback freaking healthy, I swear. I'm looking at Philly being like, hey, Shane Steichen, don't go to Indianapolis, man. Here. Can you, what do you think of Trey Lance? Can you turn him into Jalen Hurts? You coach, you coach Justin Herbert, you coach Jalen Hurts. What is your professional opinion? Can you get him on the phone? Can you do like an informal interview with Shane Steichen at like a Ruth's Chris or just over Zoom? What does he think? I want to know. Because with Kyle, I feel like he's good. He's like he's. It just feels like Jim Harbaugh all over again, man. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, they're in the NFC Championship game, but there is something about this guy that's going to prevent him from ever being a champion in his mm-hmm. life. There is something. And look at Jim. Like he's what is he? Almost sixty. He's in Michigan. I mean, great year this year. He had a thirteen-game winning streak, but he's not going to seal the deal ever. And I wonder if Kyle will. I mean, I can't predict the future, but you know, I'm, I would have to bet against him. I'm shorting Kyle Shanahan. So then, if you're thinking that way, what is the window for him as the 49ers head coach? Do you think they move on after his oh, yeah. contract, even well, before his contract, or do you think they yeah. stay as uh, – well, well, That's an interesting question. Get paired together. To me, like what the Eagles would do is they would fire him if he missed the, if he missed the playoffs. They fired Andy Reid when he missed the playoffs. They fired Doug Peterson like – when he missed the playoffs, what, three years after he won a Super Two years? So yeah. they're ruthless. Um, that being said, three NFC Championship games, what happened with Harbaugh, the way fans called him, the way Jed was ridiculed after all of that, I feel like what they could do, give him, <laughs> it's not what I would do, but I just don't see Jed being bold here. I think he's, was he signed for three more years? Is he contract, under contract for three more years? 2025 is when his contract expires. Just don't extend him again. And if he wins a Super Bowl, then extend him. But otherwise, mm-hmm. give him you get three more chances, dude. You've already had six. So it'll give you nine chances. Like the Star Wars, the entire series, all nine episodes, you get. And if you can't get it done, like, maybe maybe they're just like, all right, man, we're just not going to renew your contract. Isn't that what Philly did with Andy Reid? I don't think they actually fired Andy Reid. I think they were like, hey, man, we gave you 15 years. You're a great coach. But it's not going to happen. You need a new fresh start. We need a fresh start. And frankly, it was the best thing that ever happened to Andy Reid. It was the best thing that happened to the, to the Eagles. And I think it's interesting that they're facing each other now. And now the narrative will either be that the Eagles were hella stupid for getting rid of Andy Reid or they were pretty smart for getting rid of Andy Reid. It'll be interesting. Yeah, and to me, I think that I, I do agree in some semblance. Now, me and you, we both know we have kind of differing opinions on Kyle Shanahan. I do think of him as a higher in a higher regard than you for several reasons. But I've said this, and I'm, I think I'm just going to continue doubling down on it because it's what I believe. If Kyle Shanahan can't deliver the Super Bowl by 2025, by the time his contract is over, I think the 49ers have to move on. And it's not because they have a better option. Because honestly, in my opinion, I don't think that there's a better option out there than Kyle Shanahan, given the uh, the resume that he's had, not only with his record, but also with his roster building, his staff management, and the way that he's created a culture where players want to come to San Francisco. But to me, I do think that the number one goal is the Super Bowl, and you can only get there and miss so many times. So to me, I personally think the 49ers would move on from Shanahan at the end of the 2025 season if they don't make it. Would I do it? Not necessarily, but I think that that's he, a logical situation. Here's why he's so frustrating. 
you it's an offense league. It's an offensive league. He is he really might be the best offensive coordinator in the league. Right. If you just look at his ideas, he seems to be the most creative. So what an asset to have in your organization. The problem is he still hasn't demonstrated that he's a head coach. And so to me, he could succeed. He came so close in Atlanta. He needs a strong head coach over him to to just edit his ideas and say, dude, 98% of this is money. X, we're, we got to X out. These two things are too risky. No, no, no. And Kyle to say, okay, but there's no one to say no to the Niners, to Kyle in this, in this organization. So I feel like the structure is never con- going to be conducive for him to go all the way. Now, if, but he's so good that he's never going to be a coordinator again. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, yeah. uh, he's he just always going to be a head coach and he's always going to get all the power and he's always going to do whatever he, he's going to have say over everything. And I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing. He might be better off focusing, being in a, in, in a strong organization that lets him just do the offense and pays him whatever. I mean, just go somewhere, be a coordinator, and get paid $15 million a year. Like, there's no cap. Who cares? Right. But stop pretending like you want to be Coach Shanahan. You want to be Kyle the coordinator. You know you do. You want to be liked. Well, mm-hmm. Head coaches sometimes can be unliked, and Kyle doesn't want to be unliked like that. He's the cool guy. Same. Here's what I'll say on Shanahan, and here's, in my opinion, you've highlighted a couple of problems. To me, his biggest problem, and his biggest problem has been the same problem that he's had throughout his entire tenure as a head coach. As an offensive coordinator, he was given Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan was the guy. He didn't have to figure out the quarterback position. With San Francisco, he's had to figure it out, and in my opinion, in every step of the way, he has failed in figuring that out. In 2017, he made the the, the move of trading for Jimmy Garoppolo when he could have waited for Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins like you, likely delivers you a Super Bowl. In 2020, instead of moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo to get Tom Brady after that Super Bowl year, you choose to stick with Garoppolo, a guy who had proven to be injury-prone. You lose another Super Bowl chance then. And then in 2021, you don't seal the deal for Matthew Stafford. Instead, you trade three first-round picks for a commodity that you didn't start that year, sticking again with the injury-prone quarterback and then failing to develop both your starting quarterback and developing Jimmy Garoppolo over this five, uh, five-year five tenure. To me, Kyle Shanahan's tenure with the 49ers is going to be dependent on can he figure out the quarterback solution just once. One time, if he figures that out, he gets his job. But here's the, here's the thing that's so crazy about the Kyle Shanahan story. So all that's true. And you're thinking, can he figure it out? Well, here comes like football God, the football God. And he's like, no, Kyle can't figure it out. But I love Kyle. So I am going to deliver him Brock Purdy. You know, he, he, he thought Brock Purdy was going to be Nick Mullins. Turns out Brock Purdy's Joe Montana or whatever. So here you are. I'm a big Niner fan. I want Kyle to work out. Here's Brock Purdy. <gasps> he lucked into the franchise quarterback. No, he's hurt. And he messed up his uh, elbow and may never be the same again. It's like, Kyle, you lucked into it and you blew it. At least for now, I have questions. So, I mean, that's the thing that's crazy about Kyle. It's not just, it's not he even got, it's not just identifying it. He got lucky. He got lucked into the guy. But can you keep him healthy? Look, he's he's been a coordinator, I think, for 15 years, going back to Houston. Very rarely does he keep, does he end the season with the same quarterback he started it with. He just happens to go through guys every stop of the way. And to me, if that's his pattern, then he's just a guy with good ideas. You can't win a Super Bowl uh, if, you can't, if, you, if you can't keep a quarterback healthy. And I know it's, there's going to yeah. be certain injuries, but you, you can't, it's got to be like two weeks and then he comes back. It can't be constant season-ending season injuries to your quarterback. It can't happen. No, and that's exactly what I mean by Kyle Shanahan's tenure is going to be dependent on the quarterback. If he can yeah. figure it out just once, the 49ers are going to win a Super Bowl. That's the whole thing. They've He's done a phenomenal job in developing that roster with John Lynch to where you figure out the one solution, you, you're going to get it. In, in Houston, he had Matt Schaub. In Atlanta, he had Matt Ryan. That's where he saw this level of success that he had to that he solved, but he hasn't had that. He needs to develop the quarterback, and he hasn't done that. now. I mean, look at the success hired, he had with Purdy. He's got to keep him healthy. Yeah, he's got to keep him healthy. Yeah, yeah. So to me, I think that's that one question. If he can not only develop the quarterback, get the correct quarterback, but keep him healthy, he's going to stay a 49er head coach for for a long time. For a very, as long as he wants. But at a certain point, I mean, after the eighth, you know, how many more quarterbacks get hurt before Jed York's like, all right, man, I'm not, quarterbacks are expensive. It's yeah. again. It's like a. It's like the teenager being like, "Hey, Dad, man, I really that car you got me for Christmas. I love it, but I broke it. It's totaled. It's gone. Yeah, you remember? No, it's gone. It's gone. Could I have another one? 
Thank you. And it's like, Jed keeps saying yes. Absolutely, of course. At a certain point, you're like, dude, no. No. You're going to crash it. You don't care at all. You're a bad driver. <laughs> at what point do we just say Kyle's a bad driver? I want to know. Yeah. And that's why also, I think it's interesting, the 2025 timeline when Shanahan's contract expires. Coincidentally, it's also when Trey Lance's contract expires after the fifth-year deal. And Brock Purdy's contract expires because he was not a first-round pick, so he doesn't get a fifth-year option. So it'll provide Jed York with the chance to move on at both the quarterback position, which has been the issue for the last seven years, and the head coaching position at that time. But I do want to wrap up this this kind of session by asking you this. If Kyle Shanahan gets the Super Bowl, how does your tone change about him? Oh, my God. I would totally take back everything I said. I've said... I think they can't win a Super Bowl with him. I think he's a high-level loser. I think they need to trade him now. I would apologize for all that. I would say, you know what? I was wrong about you. All those deficiencies that I felt were fatal flaws that you would never fix, you did. You matured. I give you credit. I was wrong. You were right. And I would would say it with glee. I'd be happy to say that, Um, but not until it happens. And what happens is he'll be chugging along, 10-game winning streak, doing great, number two seed, and everyone jumps down my throat, uh, you know, and be like, Grant, you were wrong. Hey, are you going to Are you gonna change? Are you saying you were wrong about it? Kyle Shanahan, are you going to say you were wrong? It's like, whoa, can we see how the season ends first? And then it ends like that. So what what he needs to prove is at the very end of, of seasons. You know, he's done it all. He's had he's had one seeds, two seeds, top offenses, top defenses. you got to finish the job. And when you do, if you do, I will say I was sorry for calling you Jim Harbaugh 2.0, man. That was wrong of me. Yeah, and that would be funny. I really hope that moment happens, not only because I think Kyle Shanahan can get it, but also I want to see you eat your words. Because, I mean, let's be honest. Whenever you've had to eat your words, you've done it with grace. I mean, that's something that you do. Yeah. So happy to do that. It, man. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see if that happens. But we got to talk. Like, about I don't it. want the Niners to go into like a, a, a long period of sucking. The Tom Sula years was not fun. Chip Kelly was not fun. Right. I don't right. want I, I, I'm not sadistic. I want the Niners to win a Super Bowl. That's why I'm hard on Kyle Shanahan, because he hasn't won a Super Bowl. and I want him to. I freaking want him to. So when he does, I'll give him praise. I won't be like, well, you know what? That team was still the best team in the league, even though they like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to pull a Brandon Ayuk. Love you, Brandon. I'm sorry. <laughs> they were the best team in the league. They won the Super Bowl, but they got lucky. They got lucky. He was fortunate. You know, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Keeping it, though, with 2023 to wrap up today's show, let's go with some quick hitting topics. Off-season decisions, there's a lot of them. We got to start with the number one one, Mike McGlinchey. What do you think the 49ers do, and what would you do? I think <laughs> I would let him go. I think he's going to be expensive for whatever reason. And I think um, he can be someone else's salary cap mistake. Sorry. He's a nice guy. I don't mean to always take shots at him or whatever. But no, I think they'll probably make him an offer. And I think he'll probably get a better offer and he'll leave. God love you, Mike. Good luck. And I, I think, think the I Niners could probably find a better player for what's much cheaper. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, partially. Personally, here's how I think about it. Salary cap aside, I would keep Mike McGlinchey. I just don't think that there's a viable upgrade at the moment. I don't see, like, when people tell me why they want to move on from Mike McGlinchey, I point to where's the upgrade. Because Colton McKivitz, let's be honest, while Colton McKivitz is there and while he's being groomed potentially to start at right tackle, I don't know if Colton McKivitz is the answer. Mike McGlinchey has shown that he's probably better than Colton McKivitz. There's a reason that Mike McGlinchey is starting. I think he's the guy that has he's at least the top option right now if because if hold, hold on. what I would say though is is when Tom is when he went down two years ago and Tom Compton filled in the offense didn't fall apart Tom Compton wasn't great but the offense didn't fall apart and if That's you can true. get you know like decent right tackle play which is what I think McGlinchey is mm-hmm. decent for for way cheaper like the more that you can strengthen the rest of your team sorry to cut you off go ahead but that is very true that is why yeah. I believe the 49ers will eventually let him go I think that it's yeah, too much money I agree. And as for the upgrade part, the reason I say it is because if you're letting Mike McGlinchey go, you're not going to go after Caleb Gary. And if you're letting Mike McGlinchey go, why? I don't think because he's going to be expensive too, right? He's yeah. going to be probably he's, he's good gonna though. Be probably the same or more. He's going to be he's, he's he's good. He's my number one tackle. He's worth uh, it. Right yeah, he's yeah. freaking worth he'll, it. He'll probably make if they get him. I'd say seventeen. 
Yeah. Yeah. But the guy I that I'd look for on a Traverius Ward S deal is Jawan Taylor of Jacksonville. I think that he's 25. He fits the mold of what the 49ers have wanted to do. Florida. With free agency. He's from Florida. Yeah. Um, What's a Florida? Guy. Yeah. For sure. Pick. So I, he, okay. He's like McGlinchey in that he had his best year. Like he was a little up and down early on, had his best year uh, entering free agency. But I think that he's got more upside than McGlinchey. He's only 25. And I think that he has shown that he can be a good run defender and an improving pass uh, pass blocker as well. Sounds good to me. I mean, I think you can get a bunch of cheap options, guys who were top picks young and, and uh, have not compete. But um, if you're going to spend big money, it's got to be for McGarry, not McGlinchey. Names are similar. Don't get it wrong. Don't get them mixed up. God's sakes. Yeah. McGlinchey no, needs a fresh start somewhere else, man. I don't know what it is. but I, yeah. Just be, being the ninth pick here was too much. It was, not, it was unfair. Go just, just be a free agent signing somewhere else. You don't, you don't have the same level of pressure. And I really, honestly, me personally, I hope he does that. I hope he just gives a screw yeah. you to the Niners. I hope he honestly goes there <laughs> and performs better. Because, like, yeah. the 49ers both, I mean, I'm not going to point any fingers, but 49er fans have clearly not been on McGlinchey's side. Not really many people in uh, have been on McGlinchey's side. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, you haven't been on McGlinchey's side. I, I I've been like so rude, else, but... even though he told us where to get the best cheesesteaks in Philly. DeLisandro's, that was McGlinchey who told us that. So thank you, Mike. And the thing is, We've all we've like really been mean to Mike. Not not mean, but you know we we we've called it like it is with Mike. He never he he, he tweeted one time. Still here. That was it. And other than that, he was just a total pro. He I, even admitted that it actually upset him, and he had to work overcome it. I, I really like him as a guy, as a professional athlete. Not my flavor, not my cup of tea. But as a guy, he is uh, top top rate, legit, down to earth. Uh, professional, stand-up guy, all of it, everything you want, good guy. And that's why I want him to kind of go to a place like Chicago. Not necessarily one of the better places, but a place where he'll be spotlighted because he's one of the better players on the team, and he'll help uh, as that team kind of gets out of the rebuild phase. Love it. Sounds good. Number two, though, Emmanuel Mosley. What do you think that you mm. should you would do and what the 49ers will do? This is a tough one. I think I would, I would sign him. I know he's coming off a torn ACL. That kind of scares me, but he's such a good player. I feel like, I mean, is he really going to be that? Maybe he'll be a little diminished physically, but he's right in his prime. I think he's worth it. And, like, if you don't sign him, you're going to sign some other DB who's in his 30s. Like, this guy's, what, 26? And if you don't sign him, you're not going to sign some other corner who's similarly priced. You're just going to tell... The fans that you like, Diamador Lenore, which is great. And I like Diamador too, but I really like Mosley. And I feel like that's the option here. Spend on Mosley or let him go and roll with Diamador. I'd rather have both. <laughs> I'd rather have both of them. So I would say yes on Mosley, but I have a feeling they're going to lowball him. And then he's going to get a nice op offer somewhere else. And they'll say, wow, we didn't know that. We didn't expect that. And he's going to go. That's what I think. I'll, I'll agree. He could that. go to, we could go with Houston. He could go to D'Amico yeah. with Houston. Cause they can, sorry. Did I take that? I'm sorry. My bad. No, no, no. I was going to say something similar, but yeah. Okay. You know, you're the, you're the guest. You got to You got to say it out man. loud and then I got to follow you. But we got to <laughs> talk about that because Emmanuel Mosley to me, uh, me and you have been on the same page. I've liked him since 2020. I called him the most underrated player on the team since 2021 going on. He's one of my most favorite players on the team because of how his story develops, how he's an undrafted guy, ended up being the guy that he is now. He's a cornerback number one in the NFL, in my opinion. Before the injury, he was playing like one. He was playing to the level of Traverius Ward. And the I only thought thing he was better. Yeah. I thought he was better. Yeah, he's really good. He's a little bit smaller, and he does get hurt. I mean, he's, he's got he's, he gets hurt. So that's the thing. I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know. If he keeps getting hurt, then you don't want ah, – it's a tough one. I like him, though. And I'm always yeah. I'm, I'm always skeptical of first-round picks, but the undrafted free agents, I'm like emotionally invested. I'm like, come on, man. You can do it. You're one of us. <laughs> come on. Uh, but no, Do it for I Eric Crocker. I do think the 49ers should look to re-sign him. Now it depends because if Emmanuel Mosley gets a multi-year deal, go get your money. You, your your guy coming off an ACL yeah. tear. If you can get the multi-year deal, go get your money. And I wouldn't get be surprised if Yumiko Ryan's a guy who has seen him and seen his recovery because apparently he's on he's ahead of recovery. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he says, "Yo, come be the be a cornerstone guy. We'll pay you two twenty-five. Come be a cornerstone guy, and uh, we'll 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 set you up, man." I, I wouldn't be surprised because I don't think the 49ers go past 
uh, a one-year deal or maybe a two-year deal with guaranteed money only on the first year. Did, yeah, I feel you on that. Didn't Robert Sala do that with DJ Reed, essentially? Like, hey, uh, Niners yeah. got rid of you. I don't know why. I always liked you. I wanted them to draft you. Like, why don't you come with me to, to the Jets? So DJ there is some history there. Yeah. He's a hell of a player. He should be with the Niners. right? That's another guy. It should be DJ Reed and Emmanuel Mosley as their starting corners. They were, they were homegrown dudes, both really freaking good. And you let DJ Reed go. It was not. Don't do it, Mosley. Don't do it. I think they will, though. I bet you they roll, they lowball him and because of Lenore. Because mm-hmm. of Lenore. Again, who, who played well? He definitely came on strong. Those picks in the super, in the playoffs were huge. Freaking huge. The, the but, one thing I will say about Lenore, yeah. I think that because Lenore is there, but I think because of Wilkes, the 49ers might have more interest in Mosley than they did before because Wilkes plays a significant amount of nickel personnel. He's the one of the highest, if not the highest, in nickel personnel. And having a guy like Lenore play, a bigger body who you could fit in the box, Hufunga will be in the box a good amount because they play a lot of single high too, but having a, a bigger-bodied guy in Lenore as opposed to maybe Samuel Womack, a smaller guy who's better in coverage, mm. having that might be better off and having Mosley on the outside. That's something that I could look at, but I could also – I mean – we know the 49ers don't necessarily pay too much in the secondary. In general, they try and find uh, the best bargains possible, so I wouldn't be surprised if they go Lenore, too. Sounds good. Hey, one of the final ones, uh, we got to talk about Charles Menehue. Uh, what do you think about that? He's a guy who, he's kind of one-dimensional, a pass rusher, but he's 25. Do you think the 49ers should pay him? I'll give you a contract. Two years, $20 million. What do you pay him that? No. He deserves it, but not this team. I mean... They're too invested in Eric Armstead. They're going to give a ton of money to Nick Bosa. I don't think they really have the luxury to spend $10 million a year on a third defensive lineman that's not giving them 10 sacks a year. Like If, if he's a DN, like Yannick Ngakwe, who's giving you 9, 10, 11 sacks a year and, and cleaning up, finishing the pressure that Armstead's generating, then great. But no, I would say no. No one in many hue. I think Drake Jackson kind of has the same profile. He's way younger could probably do the Menehue role for way cheaper for the next few years, and you could spend that money elsewhere, maybe at D-end. So, good player. Definitely got profile. He's going to get a, as long as there are no charges. Have there been any? I'd like to hear about Uh, that, too. If there's charges, then no. But there hasn't been any new information uh, from what I've seen. So, that'll that'll factor in, too, frankly. But um, I think, just from a financial, I think that's probably why they drafted Drake Jackson to begin with. They probably saw this coming. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to say something. I was wrong about the 2022 defensive line. I said confidently going into the year that they were better than 2019. I was wrong. I was wrong. No, no. That was an A plus. That was an A D line. This is like a C plus D line. Because it's Bosa and the it's Bosa and whoever's healthy that week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And to me, that is why I think the 49ers should change their philosophy this offseason with their defensive line. Let Charles Amenehu go. Don't pay, like, don't pay for three players instead of one. You've got the depth. The 49ers are going to have eight players at least on that defensive line that can contribute because they have Khalil Davis coming back. They're going to get the minimum deals that they can get, and they'll probably draft some defensive linemen as well. Go get yourself one guy who I think can match alongside Nick Bosa. Ark Armstead, I know you have a differing opinion on Ark Armstead. I think he's a good player. Good player. Definitely a good player. I would say he's overpaid, but good player. You have him. That's. Doesn't even matter anymore. He's he's locked in. Yeah. So get someone else. He he does generate pressure. Get someone to finish the damn play. And you know what? It's not Samson Ebicom. It's not Charles Amenehu. Yeah. Who often enough let him go. They they've earned their paydays. But get someone like what you wanted D Ford to be. That's what you're looking for. What I'll say I'll say this. I would go after Deron Payne. I'd go after an interior guy. Hey. I'm not I'm not hey. on Kinlaw. You sure. you were spot on on Kinlaw. I'm not on Kinlaw. Uh, and I mean I've seen the tape on Kinlaw this year. You want a guy in the interior not only to help out Armstead, but because you interchange Bosa on the interior and out uh, on the outside. On the edge, you, you've got Drake Jackson. You've got a couple sure. of guys. And you also can interchange because the 49ers, something that they do sometimes is they line up their three-tech as an edge rusher. And they'll line That's up true. the edge rusher inside as a three-tech. And so to me, I think you've got to get a guy who can do two, uh, two who doesn't need to t- take yeah. snaps off. You need a two-dimensional player, a guy in the pass rush, and a guy as a run defender. Deron Payne fits that role. Go pay I think for one you gotta you okay. gotta improve big time in the trenches because yeah. and, unless you think Philly's just gonna go away and you don't have to worry about them anymore. If you don't think if you think you gotta go through that team to get to the Super Bowl next year, 
you got to massively improve in the trenches because they kicked you. And the Niners are still saying that they didn't actually get a chance to compete. I don't know, man. They played. They whooped your butts in the trenches. So you got to you got to improve there. You got to improve yeah. there because the rest of your team matches up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, both teams in the Super Bowl have good players in the trenches. Chris Jones might yeah. be one of the best football players in general. He might be number two behind Nick he's Bosa. He's so this year. good. He's so good. He's, he's so, so good. good. I yeah. actually think he's better than Aaron Donald. I mean, he is. I, 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 I think, think he is. is. He gives he the Niners way more problems than than Aaron Donald ever has. Mm-hmm. In my I, way he's bigger. Just, he's really yeah. good. But yeah. you talked about the trenches. The last player that we're going to talk about, the last topic of the show today, Jake Brendel. What do you think the 49ers should do? Do you think they resign him? Would you resign him? That's an interesting one. I mean, obviously you'd love to get to have Creed Humphrey or, you know, some young first, second round pick who could just take over, but they don't have that. They don't have the picks. And this guy, he's a center, he's a Pro Bowl alternate. I mean, are you gonna find are you gonna find a, an, an upgrade? I, it seems like you actually could probably afford to bring him back. Like, I would rather bring back Brendel than McGlinchey. Brendel probably be cheaper. I think he's probably better relative to his position. I mean, McGlinchey's not a Pro Bowl alternate. Never will be. That's the way I see it. So, yeah, if you could get a better center for sure. But otherwise, bring him back. Why not? I, I agree. Unless some team wants I to agree. give him like a four-year deal, in which case, no. But I don't the see reason that. being... Brendel, he's 31, and offensive linemen age differently. To me, here's how it is. 49ers drafted a pair of offensive linemen, or, well, signed one and drafted one last year that could compete. Nick Zakel, Jason Poe, we've heard about them. They had up-and-down training camps. Poe obviously had the better one. They are. It seems like they'll be groomed to compete at that position. But when you have a guy like Jake Brendel, who likely won't command a high salary, and he's also an older player, which means he won't likely get a uh, multi-year deal. And he's also with the a team that he's been with for the last two years and the offensive line coach that had the most faith in him in Chris Forster. I think this it, it makes sense for both sides to have a reunion. And why would you pass up on talent because you have talent on the roster? If you ha- if it's affordable and if you can retain him, I think you just have a better competition if Jake Brendel's there. He's not the best, uh, he's not the best run block He's not that strong, and that's why he can't move players necessarily as well in the line of scrimmage. We saw that against some top defensive tackles like Grady Jarrett this year, even Chris Jones this year. But he's solid enough in pass protection, and that's something that that's important for the 49ers, especially because that's that's the area where they've really seemed to struggle a couple a little more in recent years. He's a starting center. God love him. He proved it. The Niners saw it. They were right. He's a starting center. Is he a high-level starting center? I mean— he was. I would say no, but he was a Pro Bowl alternate. I'm not going to knock him. If they can upgrade him, if they can bring in Jason Kelsey, by all means, man, go get him. But otherwise, I don't see. I don't think he's going to break the bank to bring back Jake Brendel. It seems like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a guy who's going to earn his money. He's going to earn his contract. Yeah. No, I yeah. agree. I agree. And I think that's a good place to end today's show, Grant. Uh, obviously, appreciate your time and with all the uh, stuff that we went through. Appreciate uh, you coming on, and uh, any anything you want to plug before we head on out? Um, no. Uh, have a great week, everyone, and be safe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> be safe. <laughs> the last thing, some guys up in the chat, 49ers Rod said facts. Grant keeps it real. I mean, that's why we bring him on the show. He's one of the best in the business. Lamar Joyner, thank you for tuning in, as well as uh, this is our guy, Josh. Looks like a pair of guys who would do an escape room together. I'd never do that, man. But uh, David Villa, thank you as well for tuning in. All of you guys in the chat, appreciate you guys for keeping it popping. We will be back very soon. Me and Marco are going live later tonight talking a little bit different. So we're going to have a fun show later tonight. But Grant, appreciate your time as always. Uh, Thank you for the job that you do. And uh, we'll see you next time, guys. Say what's up to Marco for me. Will do.